0: Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you. Hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Awesome. Well, it's good to be here, and I'm always an honour to speak to our church community. I love any chance to get to share. I don't take it lightly. So, thanks for having us back, Phil. It's good to be up here and Excited to preach this message today, guys. It's one that I've I've preached before, um, a few years back. It's a, it's a revelation. God, give me that really. I think changed my life, like as most God revelations do. Whenever you have them, they change your life. They change the way you look at the world. They change the way you look at at uh, at how you're living your life. And this was a it was a real profound moment for me. That believe it or not, happened in a KFC. You know what I'm saying? So God can God can move anywhere and. I was, uh, I was studying Romans at the time. We were, I was part of a church over in London, and our interns, we had, a, we had like an academy, a bunch of young people, and they were, we would teach them different classes, and I was taking them through the book of Romans, and we were immersed in Romans. I was like in it, like every single week, we were diving in, like asking the real tough questions, like really getting stuck into it, and I was just immersed in Romans, and I read this book by Tim Keller, and in this moment, I just had this revelation that just brought so much freedom to my life, if I'm being honest. I was probably uh, judging myself a lot, had a lot of, I guess, expectations for myself, didn't, I guess, didn't feel good about myself. And I'm believing today as, as God's word goes out, as, as we preach, as his words preach, that people here are going to be set free. I'm really believing for that today. I've been praying for it. The way here in the car, I really believe that there's some people in here and God really wants to speak to you today. He wants to set you free from some things that have been holding back, like chains that are going to be snapped. And I'm going to get into it a little bit, um, but maybe you're, maybe you're picking the chains up and you're putting them on, but we're going to talk about that. So I'd love to pray because I really believe God wants to do something special today in this service. You's up for that? You got faith for that? Great. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. You're the reason we're here, Father. You're the reason we're in this room. We love you, Lord, and, and we just want to continue living sold out for you. We want to continue raising our families in, in your ways. We want to continue running towards all you have for us. And so, Father, I pray today, Lord, that you get me out of the way, Father, and that you would come, Holy Spirit, and you would speak and you would touch hearts. Pray if there's someone in here today and they're discouraged, they would walk out of here encouraged with their head held high. Pray for someone in here and they feel like they've got chains just holding them back, that by the power of your word, Lord, and your presence that those chains would be snapped, Lord. And for someone in here, Father, and they don't yet know you, we just pray that they would be walking out of here praising you calling you their heavenly father in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Let's do it. Right. Quick survey for Aria Church. Has anyone ever felt not good enough? Anyone ever here felt you're not up to the challenge? Yep. Good. Yep. There we go. we got a full squad. Full 100% retention rate there. I've been there. I've been there. And who knows that high school is one of those times, right? If you enter into high school, it's one of those times you start thinking about things, you know, things start changing. Um, I always joke, I feel like whenever girls grow, when girls transition into, from being girls to women, it's just, it's like, it's like an easy flow, you know, like they just kind of go there. Guys' voices change, get all awkward, you know, we're like, Aah! you know, it's like a whole, it's like a bit more, you know, it's a messy situation, right? And high school, that kind of, that all starts kind of happening when we're in high school. And the last thing you need when you're going through all these drastic life changes of becoming a girl to becoming a woman, becoming a boy to becoming a man, is you do not need your teachers not believing in you. You don't need your teachers making you not feel good enough. You don't need anyone making you not feel good enough. Isn't that right? And I got news for you guys. This happened to me. Everybody say, ah, wee bit of sympathy. I was going to show you a photo of me at high school. It's not, it's not, come a long way. Praise God for puberty, I guess. (laughs) and everything he does in that process, but hey. um, (laughs) So I'm in high school anyway, I'm about to do my GCSEs, and I'm I'm walking in, I'm getting all geared up, and I walk in, and I'm going to French class. Now, I'd already been kicked out of Spanish class for not being good enough to speak Spanish. Uh, I plan to go back to my high school one day. Actually, my wife speaks Spanish. I plan to go back and go to my former Spanish teacher and just have a conversation with her in Spanish. Just go, yeah, remember me? Yeah, adios, hola, cheerio. (laughs) always believe in your students, but, um, so I was put into French, because apparently it was an easier, like an easier language, so I'm going into French, and I'm kind of getting a bit confident about it, you know, I was in, I was in the cafeteria, instead of saying kind of a chocolate croissant, I said, can I have an au chocolat, you know, I'm getting all, I'm getting all into it, and I walk in, and my teacher, Mrs. Brown, probably a distant relative, you know what I'm saying, she was like, Ryan, I want to have a wee chat you. Just stay behind after class. I'm like, oh, maybe like, you know, French trip's coming up. Maybe she thinks I should be there first in. And she's like, uh, look, Ryan, we just, we just don't think you're French-speaking material. And I'm like, pardon, like, you know, like, this is a shock. Like. And she goes, um, she goes, we think you should probably drop out of French and focus on your other GCSEs. The time that you would spend trying to just even get like a decent grade could be so better well suited that time and energy towards another subject. And I went, whoa, well, you know, I'm a bit shocked, you know, I was, was getting pumped, you know, I was hoping we could be going on the French trip, but that's fair enough. I can take it. It's all right. And then i walk into my English literature class a little bit later. And she goes, Ryan, we we'll want to have a wee chat with you after class. Here's me. Oh, my gosh. Right. So sit down, what is it, you know, like, planning to watch Romeo and Juliet at the weekend, I'm a big Leonardo DiCaprio fan, I'm going to get ahead of the game, don't worry, and she's like, no, 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 you have to understand here, man, we don't really think you're English speaking material, no, we don't really think you're English literature material, and I'm like, really, like, I mean, you know, I love watching all the movies, you know, like, Titanic and all those other ones, and they're like, no, Shakespeare didn't write Titanic, and she's like, why don't you consider dropping out of English literature, that time would be well suited towards your other GCSE. so anyway, I'm not feeling good about myself, guys, I'm feeling a little bit judged, a little bit attacked, you know what I'm saying, and I walk out to the, to the wee like hangout area at lunch, you know, having a wee five alive, you know, sit me and my boys a couple five alives, black currant if you want to treat yourself, citrus if you're feeling healthy, and I'm sitting there having a citrus five alive, having a chat with one of the boys, and I'm like, me, you'll never believe what happened. Did you hear my French earlier at break time, ordering that croissant? (laughs) Well, Mrs. Brown doesn't think I'm French-speaking material. And let me tell you something else. Miss Gracie doesn't think I'm English-speaking material. (laughs) They want me to drop out of the GCSEs, and they want me to focus my energy on other GCSEs. Now, the school I was in, you needed to get a certain amount of points to get back, so it's actually a big thing to think about if you wanted to go on a sixth form. And my mate goes, you know what it is, bro? And I'm like, tell me. Talk to me. Tell me some truth. Encourage me, brother. And he's like, he goes, I'll tell you what it is. See, because we go to a grammar school, all these teachers are actually graded on how many A's and B's and A stars they get. And he goes, so sometimes they actually don't really think, and they just want you to decide so they can focus more on what they need. Now, I don't know if that's true, guys, if you're teaching a grammar school. My mate was just trying to G me up a little bit. Um, He says, I think you should just go in and tell her no I'm doing French I'm doing English Latin just see how you go and I'm like I'm going to go see how it goes so I walk in and I tell Mrs. Brown, I'm like hola and she's like that's spanish I'm like buongiorno she's like that's italian and I'm like okay well we're doing French anyway she's like I don't think this is a good idea I'm like well I do wee 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 it's happening And then I go in to Miss Gracie, and and I'm like, look, Miss, I'm doing English literature. She's like, I don't think it's a good idea. I'm like, look, I've been down to Extra Vision. I've rented out Titanic, Romeo and Juliet, The Terminator. I've rented out them all. I'm going to be fine. And she goes, okay, I don't think it's a good idea. And all I can say to our church this morning is, je (laughs) m'appelle (laughs) Rian. Je habite Lisbon in the du North. (laughs) (laughs) Mi nombre, that's Spanish. Mi (laughs) nombre. Anyway, I've done all right, all right? Okay, give me a wee bit of praise here. We better of... stop clapping. I got an E. She was horribly right. <laughs> Never should have done it. <laughs> Might have done better than some of the other ones. But in English literature, I got a B. Yeah. B for boss, man. Walked in and told her. See that B, 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 B? She was actually like, fully shocked she was like what did you do did you you cheated you must have cheated I'm like no no I don't know what I did either but we're here and you know what it's a funny story right like just trying to set the tone for the message but it's true like sometimes in life people yourself things that's happening in the world will make you feel like you're not good enough Make you feel like you're not worth it. Make you feel like you can't do what you've set out to do. And the analogy I'm going to use for today's sermon is no new one. It's one that theologians have been using for years. It's one that you'll find throughout the Bible. You'll see it in the book of Romans that we're going to dive into. All modern, modern theologians have used it many times as well. And it's the, it's the analogy of the courtroom. That every single day, we're trying to get ourselves a verdict. We're sitting there and we're going, look, am I good enough? Am I innocent? Do I pass the test? Or am I guilty? I'm condemned. I'm not good enough. I don't make the cut. And if we're being honest, guys, sometimes we swing like a pendulum in this scenario. There's other days we got a bit of swag about us, you know what I mean? Read the Bible this morning. Had my, my grape juice and my cracker. Had some communion. I'm feeling good. And we'll walk with a bit of swag. We're like, it's been a good week had a good time the sun's been out and we feel good about ourselves and we're maybe a little bit over on this side but there's other days where we swing all the way over here we feel like we're not good enough even in who we are as people we just don't feel value we don't feel we can do what we have set out to do we feel like the task is impossible with our faith we feel like how can I do it how do I keep going I just feel like I keep falling I feel like I keep failing sometimes I got so close and I feel like I fall again And we swing in this pendulum. Other times maybe we've had a good week, like I said. Other times maybe not. And that's what I want to talk about today. The title of my message, if you're taking notes, is called Get Out of the Courtroom. Get out of the courtroom. And like I said, when I got this revelation a few years back, I was in the Book of Romans. Deep in the Book of Romans. And what we're going to try and do today is I'm going to try and give you a quick snapshot We're going to try and do a real express version Bible study of the book of Romans, and I want to pull out a few points that I believe can help you as you navigate life, as you navigate your faith. Are you up for that? Awesome. Well, let's jump straight into the book of Romans, but before we go there, can I give you a wee bit of context? How cool is it when a preacher goes, I just want to give you context? That means that they probably Googled it the night before. (laughs) I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. Studied it, done a course on it, all that sort of good stuff. So anyway, the book of Romans, (laughs) the book of Romans, Um, what was happening in Rome was interesting. As we all know, you know, if you know any, as most of us will know, Rome during Bible times was especially the, or sorry, during the New Testament was the capital, it was the empire that was running the show at the time, the Roman empire. And uh, Rome was the capital. It's a pretty special place. It's like any capital. Everything's happening there. It's where all the finances, where all the opportunity is, it's where you need to be. So, whenever you read the Apostle Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, whenever you read his letters, um, you, can, you can see even on Paul's journey, he's desperate to get to Rome. He's desperate. He's like, even at one point in the book of Acts, he turns down freedom to be handcuffed and sent to Rome. How crazy is that? He could be set free, but he goes, No, I want to talk to Caesar. Put cuffs on me, get me to Rome. And the reason Paul's so desperate to get to Rome is because he knows that if he can get the church pumping in Rome, the church is going to be pumping everywhere. And hey, you have to, kind of happened. What was in Rome? What's still in Rome? Catholic church. What happened back then was the church. Paul got there. Whenever Rome did get converted, hey, everyone else in the empire had to get converted. And we still live in the fruits of that decision today, because Paul was so obsessed with getting there, because he's like, I need, I need to win the Romans over, because if I win them over, everyone becomes, well, you know, the Christian church becomes the state, um, the state church. So anyway, it was a bit of an interesting situation, because when he's writing the letter of, when he's writing to the Romans in, in the letter of Romans, There's been a bit of a church split, actually, because as we know when we read throughout the New Testament, you have Jewish converts, people who come from Old Testament Jewish background, and you have Gentile converts, and that's people who came from a non-Jewish background and encountered Jesus and become Christians. And what had actually happened in Rome is the emperor at the time, Claudius, he had sent all the Jews out of Rome. He'd kick them all out. And you can actually see this in the book of Corinthians where Paul bumps into Priscilla and Aquila. And it says, they actually say, who had been exiled from Rome under the reign of Claudius. So Claudius just didn't like the Jews, didn't like what they stood for. And he's like, get out of the capital city. I don't want any Jewish person here, right? problem is that it was Jewish people that mainly set up the Roman church. Jewish converts. And they'd set it up in a certain way. And when they left, all the Gentiles were there. The guys who had been converted that didn't have Jewish customs. So they were like, hey, we're just going to run the church a little bit different. A little bit more free, man. And so they just started doing their thing. And then when Claudius finally was like, when Claudius' reign was over and the new emperor was like, I don't mind the Jews. The Jews just flocked back to Rome. And you had this merge where you had the the Jewish Christians from a Jewish background and the Gentile Christians trying to do church together in Rome. And they both have completely different ideas of how they should do church. And it's a mess. On top of that, the Romans are starting to get a little bit annoyed at the Christians. We want to talk about courtroom being taken places. Christians were literally being persecuted for their faith, dragged, crucified, killed. And so it was a really interesting time. Paul's writing to the church in Rome, and he's going, "Look, I know you are at each other's throats. You are judging each other we should do church this way, no, we should do church that way, duh, your background says this, yeah, but Jesus covered, you know, so we're good, and there's this mad, like, clashing in it as well, in the middle of that, the Romans are getting annoyed at the Christians, and they're putting them on trial, and all this sorts of stuff, and Paul writes this letter to go, look, here's, here's what you guys need to do, and it's an amazing letter, it's actually amazing, read it, it sometimes sounds contradictory, but it's it's so not whenever you get the context of it because Paul starts, he talks to the Jewish crowd and he says, he's he's addressing them and then he flicks all the way up and you have this movement in Romans throughout the book of where Paul's like, addressing one thing, addressing another, going in. But all throughout is faith in Jesus sets you free. It's the way. It's the main parameter that runs through the whole message or the whole book of Romans. So I want to dive straight in to Romans 8, and we're going to bounce about, and we're going to tie it all together. I want to dive straight into Romans 833. And think about how powerful this statement is. Whenever you're thinking about people who are being dragged, judged, and killed for their faith, when you're talking about people that are at each other's throats, judging each other, saying you're not good enough, you're not good enough, this, that, and the other, think about how powerful this statement is as we read it out. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who's going to separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Remember the context we talked about. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Who likes that one? See, so if you're having a bad day, read Romans 8. You'll be having a good day after. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I get an amen for that scripture? My goodness. So that's what I want to talk about today. In a modern context, let's learn from the Romans. Let's learn from the message that Paul was trying to get across. I want to say, I want to ask you again, are you putting yourself in a courtroom? Are you judging yourself? Are you at odds with other people? Listen to that scripture. No one gets to condemn you. No one gets to judge you. It is God who justifies And I know what you're thinking. Here we go, Ryan. I get it. Another cross equals love message. You know, I've heard plenty of them. And yeah, it is because that's the crux of our faith is the gospel. So it is another cross equals love message. It is another gospel message. But I want to get into something in a little bit because let me tell you something. It's one thing to believe something. Who knows it's another thing to live it. Isn't that right? Guys, can I be real? I believe every word in this book. I believe I should live my life by every commandment in this book. I believe that everything in this book written to direct and instruct us is for our good and brings glory to God. I believe it. I believe this book to be complete truth, compiled before the beginning of time. I believe it to be the living word of God. Now, do I live it? (laughs) I wish. I live some of it. Some days I'm good, other days I'm not. And so believing and living something are two very different things. And what I want to talk about, I want to, in, in the context of what we're talking about, I want to talk about three roadblocks. Three things that get in the way of us believing, or sorry, living what we believe. <clears throat> you have probably read that scripture many times, heard it preached before. Maybe I'm saying stuff to you here like, yeah, like I'd love not to judge myself every day. I think that'd be great. Or I'd love not to let the opinions of other people affect me. I'd love to fully just hang on to Jesus's promises. But hey, like I believe the promises, but it's hard for me to live it like you said. Well, hey, that tells us that there's some things that just get in the way of our thinking, get in our hearts that stop us from doing that. So I want to talk about those three roadblocks. And then I want to talk about what Jesus does to remove them. Are you up for that? Great. I'm going to have a wee sip of water. So three roadblocks, we're diving into Romans, we know what's happening, and these three roadblocks, right, you see them all throughout Scripture, you see them all the way from Genesis to Revelation. We're going to cross-reference some of Genesis, just to show that it was there, but these probably three things are the things that when you maybe hear a Christian say, the enemy, right, now usually we think that's the devil, the devil is part of that, or demonic powers, or whatever, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But the enemy, our enemy as such, is actually these roadblocks, and we're going to look at it, and we're going to see, like, how do we overcome that? How do we get over those roadblocks? Because they're all throughout the Bible, and Paul is addressing them constantly in Romans, okay? Sorry, just get my breath. Okay, so the first roadblock, are you ready? Give us a yes. Natalie's the only one ready. First roadblock, you ready? Right. right, let's go. First roadblock is something called little old me. Little old me. What I'm talking about, guys, is what the Bible refers to as the flesh. The flesh. You'll probably read it all throughout the Bible. Your fleshly desires. The flesh, the flesh, the flesh. It's all throughout the Bible. And really all the flesh, whenever they're talking about it, is it's me, 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 me. It's the things I just want. I want it in the moment. I want to choose it over God. The flesh goes all the way back to Genesis. God goes, live this way. Eve goes, no. Adam goes, no. I want that apple. I told you you can't have the apple, but I want it. I want it. My flesh wants it. There's something about it. It's different. I know you said I can't have it, but I want it. The flesh is our first roadblock to believe in the gospel message. I want to read from Romans 7.10, one of the hardest scriptures to say. If I say it, I would love some encouragement because it's very difficult to say. I will read it to you now. It's going to come up on the screen. Paul says this, and he's talking about the flesh. You ready? We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. We're going to talk about that later as well. I do not understand what I do. For I do not do what I want to do, but I hate what I do. And if I do not do what I want to do, I agree that the Lord is good. As it is no longer I myself who do it, but sin living in me. For I know that good does not dwell in me. That is my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Anyone else relate to that? You really want to do good sometimes, but you just feel like you can't. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not do I want to do. I told you this was hard. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it's sin living in me that does it. Completed it. <laughs> Romans 7, 14 to 20, completed it, mate. Completed it. Now, that's a full-on scripture, but let me break down what it means. I was visiting a friend in Scotland this week. I started calorie counting. Where's my calorie counting brother? Yes, there you are, my man. Calorie counting. started calorie counting. And uh, I have a certain quota per day, you know what I mean? I have a certain, like, it's kind of rough, you know, really eye-opening, like, there's things you didn't think have, like bread. See, like, a, a roll, game over, go home, dinner's done. <laughs> it's wild. Started calorie counting to go into this coffee shop with my mate over in Scotland, we're hanging out, I'm trying to be good, we get, like, a wee, like, breakfast wrap thing, you know, less bread, flat bread. all good, being healthy. Walk up to get a coffee, and, and the guy at the counter, there's all these like, 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 lo- like what do you call them? Like banana breads, fr- loaves, um, strawberry crumble roll thing, all this stuff. And I'm like, whoa. I'm just seeing like 600 calories, 800 calories. And I'm like, be strong, Ryan. You got this, brother. Do not do what you want to do, but do it. But, uh, do what you need to do. <laughs> and the guy's like, Okay, yep, I'll get you your Americano. And I'm like, yep, no milk, less calories. And he's like, very good. And I'm like, he goes, would you like to try our new strawberry crumble loaf thing? And I'm like, he, and he showed me these fresh strawberries and he's like, it's made with these strawberries that are grown just over there. And I'm like, well, so it's like one of your five a day. And he's like, exactly. Exactly. And I'm like, now in that moment, guys, I know what I should do. (coughs) But I do not do what I want to do. And I order the loaf. (coughs) And I'm sitting there and I Google how many calories. I'm like, game over, can't eat for the rest of the day. (coughs) That's what the flesh is like, guys. That's a silly example. But it's, you know what you need to do, you know how you need to live. You know what God asks you to do, but something in you just wants to do that. That's the flesh. And see the problem with the flesh, guys, is that it's never enough. It's more of this, it's more of that, it's more money, it's more popularity, it's more relationships, it's more this, it's more that, there's always more. The problem with the flesh is it's never enough. J.D. Rockefeller, probably the richest man that ever lived outside of King Solomon, King Solomon, if you were to convert all these people's wealth into modern-day wealth, King Solomon is like a trillionaire, right? Underneath him is a guy called J.D. Rockefeller from America. This guy was so rich, he bailed the American government out of their own debt, private. Him, with his money, he bailed them out of debt. One of his quotes about money blew an interviewer away one day. The interviewer said to him, Mr. Rockefeller, how much money is enough money? the second richest man that is ever recorded to have lived, do you know what he responded with? Just a little bit more than what I have right now. Just a little bit more than what I have right now. Do you know what the problem with the flesh is? Is that it's never enough. You can go and chase all your fleshly desires right to the very end, and I'm telling you it will not be enough. The Bible talks about this constantly. Warning us, pulling us back that Jesus, the Lord, no God above him, no idols. Don't chase after this. Two paths, big path, small path, take the small one. Stop chasing after those things. Come back and focus on the Lord. The problem with self is it's never enough. And the problem in the courtroom scenario with this is we become our own judge, we start going, well, I'm not good enough because I don't have this. If I go and do this, maybe I'll be good enough. Then we get there and we want to do more. Remember driving past these houses the other day? Remember when we first moved into our house here in NI coming from London? We were like, yeah, you know, like, like recording music videos and all. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, look at the size of this place. This is huge. I lived in a one-bedroom apartment in London for ages. House shares and I were back in NI paying a fac- fraction of the price. we got a garden. What is that? And then you know, familiarity kicks in. I was driving past these new build houses the other day, being like, "Oh my gosh, look at them!" Came back to my my house, and I'm like, "Just feels so small." <laughs> it's crazy how the mind tricks you. Now just go home, and be thankful, Lord. You give me an amazing home. Like, how good is this? The flesh, man, it will trick you. Remember, I was doing a little bit of counselling when I was at Bible College. The counsellor said something to me I would never forget. He said, "Ryan." Most, not all, but most of life's problems, the things that frustrates us, the things that make us argue and bicker with each other can be boiled down to this one statement. And you can agree and disagree with this. Like I say, he said most of life's problems, not all of them. He said, I am not getting what I want. He says, you think when you're arguing with your spouse, when you're frustrated with someone, when you're angry in traffic, think of every scenario and think, why am I actually ticked off in that scenario? Well, because I don't want the traffic to be there. Because I want my spouse to agree with what I want. Me, 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 me. I'm telling you guys, the flesh, the roadblock of the flesh, will continually keep you on this side of the judge's verdict. Not good enough, need more, can always do better. Roadblock number two, are you ready? Yes, Anna, come on, You ready? (laughs) Roadblock number one is little old me. Roadblock number two is the big old world. The big old world. I remember when I first got saved, like, found like, you know, the, when you're getting, like, used to, like, Christian lingual, and you, like, don't come from that? It's like, what, what is an anointing? Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what is, you know, all this stuff, like, and people used to say all the time, you got to be aware of the world, man. And I'm like, really? I'm like, I've been living in it for 23 years. Like I think I'm doing. Like, like what what I need to be aware of. Like, what what do they know? Like, what are they doing? They're like, beware the world. And let me just, for anyone who's maybe new to church or still trying to figure out this concept. See, when we refer to the world in a biblical perspective, what we're referring to is not the physical world. Is not Craig Avon Lakes. Is not like the M1. What we're referring to is the set of behaviors and beliefs that are set up. That turn people against God. Different from the flesh, but linked. The things that are set up in the world that make us do things that are anti-God. It can be ingrained in society, it could be ingrained in institutions you're in, it could be ingrained in just like nations cultures. Look at our own culture, for example. Our own culture has a lot of stuff. Northern Irish and Irish culture has a lot of stuff in it that makes us do, that's normalized, but isn't necessarily the best thing for us. And every culture will have something like that. There'll be different things. And why it's slightly different from the flesh is because sometimes you don't necessarily want to do these things. But you're peer pressured into it because the world says you should do it. The flesh you want, you're like, I want that. I know I shouldn't have it, but I want it. The behaviors of the world, sometimes, sometimes you do want it. Sometimes you learn to want it because you do it so much. Sometimes it gets ingrained in your culture like we talked about. But a lot of the times it's just forced upon you and you feel like you should do it. And it's the behaviors that set themselves up against God. We read in Romans 12, verses 2, Paul addresses this. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. He said, you live in Rome. Look around. See all this? Worship and that Caesar worship. This thing going on here, these behaviors, don't conform to that because it's not godly. But I want to encourage you, especially those who are new to this faith journey, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Get those worldly behaviors out of your mind that you know are ungodly and renew your mind. Hi, This is a good place to start. Get God's word into you. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be in church. Read your Bible. Be in Christian community. And then it says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing, perfect will. Paul's saying the more you, like, let's let's fast forward to our day and age. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Netflix. Telling me all these things are okay and I should do them then God's will gets blurry, right? Because, well, I know what the Bible says, but I kind of want to do that. Everyone else is doing it. Those other Christians are doing it and, 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 and things. And this happens in church as well. We begin, sometimes we let worldly behaviors come in and be normalized. And usually it's the beginning of the end for a Christian community when that happens. Because we're meant to be holy people consecrated to the Lord and His ways. But Paul says, actually, if you don't conform to that pattern and you continually try to, it's, he, he's acknowledging it's a fight, you renew your mind, be in Christian community, stick together. He's saying to these guys, stick together, read the letters, be in the word, encourage each other. He goes, your mind will begin to think different as you continue to do that. Do you agree with that? I want to encourage you, church, choose truth every time over trend. It will get blurry. Things will creep in. They try to tell us to do something different, but choose truth every time over trend. I want to encourage you, no matter how many ads, things tell you that this way of living is going to make you feel a certain way or live a certain way, some of them do. Not all things are bad. I'm telling you, God's way is always the way to choose. Even if you don't feel like it in the time, Long term, as you continue to renew your mind, you will look back on the years of your life. And I love doing this sometimes. I love just looking back and going, how did you do that? How, am I, how did you get me here? That is miraculous. My gosh, only by your grace, Lord. How am I up here with a microphone sharing the word of God? Like that to me is just, pfft, when I actually think back, And we need to do that because as we continue to not conform and renew our mind, what we have is God's faithfulness just to praise him with all the days of our life. Do you believe that? All right, roadblock number three, you ready? Roadblock number one is little old me. Roadblock number two is the big old world. And roadblock number three is the big fat liar. The big fat liar. We don't talk too much about The demonic, the devil, all that stuff, and for good reason, because it doesn't deserve a platform, and the more we talk about the power of Jesus, the more that stuff doesn't matter anyway, the more you get that into you, but sometimes every now and then it's good to acknowledge that there is a spiritual enemy, right, it's in the Bible, da, 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 da. and the Bible says that our spiritual enemy, the devil, his native tongue is lies, Lies. And so I want to say to you, sometimes we hear the gospel. We hear who we're meant to be in Christ. But there's other voices telling us lies. Telling us no. And it also says as well in the word that the the devil, the enemy loves to condemn the people of God. Condemn. Okay? Now, condemn means... Not fit for use, not worthy, not good. So what I want to encourage you today is, friend, that in Romans 8.1, I'm going to read it in a minute, is that when you hear those lies creep into your head, those voices that would tell you you're not good enough, you're not valuable, God doesn't love you, you're not good enough to be his son or his daughter, you're not good enough to move forward in your faith, you failed, look, you give into the flesh, you do these things of the world, who are you? Who are you to think you can do this thing? You should just leave church. Church isn't for you. They don't want you. If they knew what happened behind the scenes, they would just—they would mock you. Like da da da. Every time you hear those words condemning you, I want you to say this verse over yourself: Romans eight one, and it says this. Are you ready? Read it with me. Are you ready? All together. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Boom. Let me read it again. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Third time, if you're feeling condemned, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How good's God? If you belong to Christ, those words, those lies mean nothing. Nothing. The band can come up and join me as I begin to wrap up. But yeah, Ryan, that's great, but it's easier said than done. You're right, it is. I'm not up here trying to tell you that it's an easy ride. Remember there was, when I was in ministry over in London, there was a a psychologist. He was a lot of things. He was a preacher, a psychologist. He was a great guy. He preached a lot at our church. And I was driving him around one day, getting him from church back to where he was staying, back to church and kind of looking after him. I remember, like, being very quiet, you know, like, trying to be very respectful. I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me as I was driving this guy, this man has wisdom that could change your life. You just have to ask. And I was like, right. So I said, I kind of reached out because, you know, I'd had things come up. I'd had things coming into my head that I knew weren't true. I was trying to shake things. It was like, he's void, like, well, what's, why do I keep thinking that, or this, that, and the other? I remember turning to him and going, Dr. Robbie, can I ask you a question? He went, Absolutely. And I said, Doctor, if I have beliefs or things or lies in my head, and they're just harping on, trying to tell me to think a certain way about myself or think a certain way about the world, I was like, how do I get them out? How do I stop thinking that way? And he went, oh, Ryan, that's easy. (laughs) And I went, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I knew, I knew it was easy. I just wanted to like cross-reference what I figured against you, your medical professional, da 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 And he went, those thoughts are what we like to call in the field, ants, A-N-T-S, ants, automatic negative thoughts, automatic negative thoughts. And he says, the thing about ants is you can't do anything about them because they're automatic. Sometimes people have a thought and they beat themselves up for having the thought. Like, "Oh, I'm thinking this. What does it mean? What does it mean for me?" But Dr. Robbie was like, "They're automatic." He's like, "Do you know how much information you take in on a daily basis? From Instagram, from news, from BBC, from everywhere, the amount of stuff in your noggin is comprehensive. It is crazy. The amount of movies you've watched over the years, he's like, those thoughts could have came from anywhere. They don't define you in the slightest. They're automatic. But he said, but they're negative, and you want rid of them. He goes, so if you want to kill an ant, he goes, I've got a biblical principle for you. He says, the first one's in Corinthians. He says, and when an ant comes in, you stop it, you take it captive. You go, I recognize that thought isn't me. I recognize it goes against God's word, so stop. He goes, it might keep, uh, uh, poke at you, but just go now. And then he goes, and then you go Philippians. You replace it. You think about something praiseworthy you thank God for your family, you thank God for being saved, you thank God for health, you thank God for anything you can find, and you give God some praise. He goes, you do that enough and the ant will die. He says, it may take 30 minutes, it may take days, it may even take months, hey, it might even take years, but as long as you're aware and you acknowledge it and you keep doing it, he goes, eventually the ant will die. That scripture we just read, guys, if you are having those thoughts about not feeling valuable, about not feeling like you're good enough, you just, if you belong to Christ, and I'm going to give people an opportunity to belong to Christ in a minute, if you belong to Christ, you just repeat Romans 8.1. You just take that thought captive and go, there is no condemnation, I belong to Christ. There is no condemnation, I belong to Christ. I am the Lord's. I'm going to wrap up, and then we're going to pray for some people. So, how do we conclude? What does Jesus do about the roadblocks? Well, it's simple. You're in the courtroom. There's the judge, and you have your accuser, heaping lies, heaping things at you. They're not good enough. The debt is too good. They keep giving in to their flesh. They keep giving in to worldly desires. They keep believing these lies that people are telling them about them. They're not good enough. And there's nothing that can pay the debt that they have to pay. There's nothing that gives them the right to walk out of this courtroom today. There's one thing, but hey, well, what's the one thing? Well, God, you would have to give your son as a sacrifice. He would have to die, and that would cover the debt. But that's never going to happen. What happened in the courtroom, if you want to call it that way, is that God went, okay, Here's my son. And God took our place. All our sin, all our rebellion, everything we've done, that the accuser was able to go, they are not good enough. They deserve eternal damnation. They deserve to be separated from God. Jesus goes, no. I will redeem them with my life. That's re- what redemption is. It comes from the word redeem, like when you redeem a coupon. That we were meant to be We were meant to belong to something else, to sin, to death. And Jesus goes, no, with my life, I pay the debt. I redeem them back. They are free. You know what happened in that moment? You know what the judge did? The all-righteous, all-knowing judge, God the Father, he went, right. As soon as Jesus gave his life, the courtroom is adjourned. They're free to go. (laughs) Let me read you a quote from Timothy Keller, the book I was telling you about. I was reading at the beginning. And this blew me away when I realized that on a daily basis, I was probably condemning myself, saying I was guilty, saying I wasn't good enough. This is Tim Keller from the Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. He says, we need to relive the gospel on the spot when we put ourselves in those courtrooms. We need to ask ourselves, what are we doing in the courtroom? We should not be there. The court has been adjourned. Like Paul, we can say, and he's quoting Paul in Corinthians, we get to go, hey, I don't care what all you people think in the world of me guess what I don't even care what I think about myself because sometimes I think the worst about myself I only care about what the Lord thinks and the Lord has said therefore there is no condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus and you are my beloved child with whom I am well pleased come on God deserves a clap for that that is the gospel And so what we're going to do, I'm going to pray for a group of people. What we're going to do after we pray, the band are going to lead us and you get a chance to take communion. If you're a believer and you want to take communion, come to the front row by row. There's a wee bit of grape juice and a wee bit of bread here. I want you in the moment to just remember there's no condemnation. I'm looking at it right now. His body was broken so that I could be made whole. His blood paid the price. The courtroom is adjourned. I get to walk free. And when you have that moment of worship, as we're singing, as we're taking communion I'm believing freedom. The Holy Spirit is gonna bring freedom to people's lives that they're gonna remember, what am I doing? I keep putting the chains on because what do free people do when they're set free? They walk. So I'm believing people are going to walk out of here going, I've been putting myself in the courtroom and it's empty. The judge went, dump, dump. Jesus paid the price. Why do I keep putting myself down? Why do I keep believing I'm not good enough for Jesus? What I keep believing I can't do it? The courtroom has been adjourned and I believe people are going to walk out here free as we have this moment. Do you believe that? Come on, have you faith for that? So whatever it is for you, as we sing, as we worship, as you take communion, I believe the Holy Spirit's gonna touch hearts and you're gonna remember there's no condemnation. The courtroom has been adjourned. I don't need to keep putting the chains on my back, on my wrists, amen, amen. Now for the- Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Aria Church podcast.